But you're supposed to train a child like, you know, some people have more patience with a horse than they do a child. You're supposed to like train, train. That involves like, yeah, move forward. That'd be, that would be a blessing to your pastor. Uh, train means like you're working alongside with them and you, you show them this is how you do it. You do it like this and here, let me show you. Let me help you through this, you know. And you don't just expect uh, a young person to act like somebody that uh, has life, so much life experience that they know what to do in every situation. Uh, but you want your words to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. So like you're, you're giving grace in your speaking and your training and there's a little salt in there, just enough to season it. Not too much. You ever have like, I love a good hamburger, but I don't like Worcestershire sauce or all the other fancy A1 or what all this other type of stuff people put on it. I like salt and pepper. <laughs> but if you put too much salt on it, then I kind of want to spit it out of my mouth instead of swallow it. So you talk about little children or even adults, you want to have your words full of grace not overloaded with salt, but seasoned with salt. So that, uh, you know, it's something that they can swallow. When we first had children, I don't even know what that little thing is called, but we had this little white container that, you know, you could basically put any regular human food, <laughs> adult food that you would eat in it, and uh, instead of having to buy the baby food, and then you just grind it by hand, and it would make it a mush so that they could eat it. Why? Because they're going to choke if that food is, is too big for their stage of development. You know, and it's not going to be healthy on them. Even if they could swallow it, it's not going to be healthy for them to try to digest that. So you want to um, do, uh, like Paul said, concerning spiritual gifts or workings of the Holy Spirit, let all things be done to edifying or to building people up. So you don't want to use uh, the grace of God or the revelation of God and um, hurt people with it. You could say like, well, this is the truth. They need to know the truth. Well, no, actually, that, that, that is true. They, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free or set you free. But knowing the truth is not like here. It's here. It's like uh, 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 Paul said in uh, Philippians, is it 310? That I may know him. That is like an intimate knowledge. That's that he has a special place in my heart and, and I'm intimate with him there. You know, I, I can talk with him. And so um, you, don't, you, you don't want to, um, you can tell somebody the truth and it cannot set them free because they're not able to receive it in the way that you said it. So it's real important that we that work with the spirit of the Lord understand that he is also the spirit of love. And love uh, thinks the best, believes the best, is patient, is kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, and love entreats. In other words, love invites, and love doesn't like attack. No, we're not doing the love message again. We're doing a message on confession, so you can put it up if you want so that I don't go back to love. But maybe that will help me. Build the road, build the road. There we go. And so, in case somebody was wondering, we could teach forever on love. But... Uh, you know, we want to do everything we can to help people. They have enough trouble with the devil and with their own flesh, you know? Don't anybody raise your hand, but, you know, I'll raise my hand. You have enough trouble with your own flesh that you don't need somebody else adding to that trouble, right? Your flesh would give you a lot less trouble if you'd pray in tongues more. 
because uh, your tongue directs the whole course of your life. And as soon as you yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit, the utterance that he gives, you're training your tongue uh, unconsciously to yield to things of the Spirit. You can't walk in the flesh uh, and have the things of the Spirit. I don't care, uh, you, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we walk by faith and not by works. You know, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk by all the things that we could do apart from God, but we walk by everything that he did apart from us on our behalf, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so you, um, if you want to uh, experience God's best in your life, you really have to live a life that is totally dependent on him and not dependent on yourself. So uh, a way to do that is, uh, you know, James said, like we put a bit in the mouth of a horse or we have a rudder on a ship. So if we want to direct that horse, that's a big, (laughs) I like King James says, it's a beast. And some horses, they are like a beast. I mean, they are big and intimidating, especially if they're not trained well. But you put a, a bit in the mouth of a horse you know, and a well-trained horse, uh, my five-year-old son could direct that horse with the bit. Or uh, you have a, a rudder on a ship, a massive ship, some of like the biggest ships in our uh, naval fleet. You just have a rudder, turn, the whole thing turned with the rudder. Now, of course, they have other ones now that are jet-powered with, you know, all that. I'm talking about a rudder, like the Bible says, Okay. <laughs> But you turn a massive ship with a rudder. So how are you going to turn your life? With the rudder of your tongue. So uh, Brother Hagin used to say, um, you know, if you don't like what you have in life, check up on what you've been saying, what you've been speaking. Uh, because in large measure, what you experience today is because of what you said yesterday. So not Saturday, Sunday. But I mean, at this point in your life, the reason you're experiencing what you're experiencing is because of what you have said based on what you believed. So what's come out of your mouth? And uh, I think sometimes in the faith, uh, uh, you know, camp, and we're all in the faith camp, is uh, we get a little bit, uh, we do a disservice by trying to become uh, the word police. Do you understand what I mean when I say word police? Like you're gonna like correct everybody's confession. <laughs> like, oh, don't say that, don't say that. You know, well, it depends on your relationship. You might be able to say that to somebody, but but the point is, uh, you locate yourself by what you say, and you locate other people by what they say. So you might be uh, doing a little better to let somebody talk just a little bit, so you can help locate them, and then in love, just help uh, direct them back in the right path. You know, like a husband and wife, you could say, uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland did this, so we try to incorporate it, and it's not pleasant many times to incorporate it, to be honest with you. But what you want to say is, sometimes they'll say, I believe it's coming to pass right now. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, like, you know, I don't know what you say. Uh, Everything's going to turn out horrible. You could say something like that, right? And you could say to a close friend or spouse, like, I believe it's coming to pass right And they're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So in other words, is that really what you want? Because... Um, if your mind's not renewed and if your tongue is not used to yielding to your spirit, you know, um, who's one with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit that wrote the word of God, so your tongue's not used to yielding to the word of God, um, you'll find that you'll just speak what you see by default. 
It's the easiest thing in the world to speak what you see. Like I said uh, during the uh, time of giving, that the men on the ship with Paul, you know, they're like, hey, we're gonna die. We're all gonna die. Well, according to how the circumstances were, uh, they were probably gonna die. It's interesting, uh, an angel appeared before Paul and, and told him what was gonna happen. You know, like, uh, it's wonderful to have um, spectacular experiences with the Lord, where like an angel appears to you and tells you like, here's what's gonna happen. Just want you to know this is what's going on, and poof, they're gone, right? That's pretty awesome. When's the last time that happened? Don't even raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> the thing about it is, when you have something spectacular like that happen, normally it means that uh, it's gonna get rough, and you're gonna need that uh, spectacular supernatural thing to be like, okay, you know, I guess that's what it is. Like Mary and Joseph, for instance, you know, angel appears to Joseph. Don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Well, you know, any normal healthy man is gonna need an appearance of an angel to believe that. <laughs> Yeah, right. This is from the Spirit. <laughs> you know me, I'm just a sweet young lady. Yeah, but in other words, you know, uh, not only is it going to be hard for him, but what, what are his friends saying? What is everybody else saying? You know, I mean, what are the odds of that that you are going to give birth to the Christ child? You know, I know you too well. So, so it's important what we say and uh, it actually directs the course of our life. And Christianity, according to Hebrews, is known as the Great Confession. And so uh, we were looking for a title, and Melody uh, gave me that. And I said, that is awesome. I love that. Sheep talk. You know, because we're like uh, sheep of his pasture. And he's our shepherd. And, um, you know, we know his voice and the voice of strangers we don't follow. And... Um, and so um, I did not an extensive study, but I did a short study on sheep. And um, do you know, sheep are one of the smartest animals. But the, the, the uh, popular belief is that sheep are one of the dumbest animals. Did you know that? I did not know that they were one of the smartest animals until I started studying this. They said they're second only to a monkey. Right? So sheep are actually very intelligent and very smart. And um, you know, when they introduce a sheep to a new pasture, uh, a new sheepfold, then um, uh, that sheep will take a couple weeks before they learn the voice of the shepherd. But then once they learn the voice of the shepherd, uh, they won't follow another voice. They'll follow the voice of that shepherd. And um, you know, somebody said... Uh, you know, the reason the shepherd goes before them is because uh, a shepherd leads. But like a wolf or a dog that goes behind drives. So you'll never be, by the spirit of the Lord, you'll never be driven, but you'll be led. And so sheep, the reason that people think they're dumb is because sheep have a natural instinct to go with the flock, so if one sheep, so when I was studying this just a few months ago, one sheep decided 
that he could jump a 15-foot cliff. So 200 sheep died. No, it's 400 sheep died. So, because they all followed what he did. And so this is why people think that sheep are dumb. Because they have this instinct that they will, um, uh, uh, when they get in trouble or they fear, feel fearful, they'll herd together for protection. So they come together for protection. So uh, you wish that all the body of Christ would be as wise as a sheep. Because a lot of times we fight a battle and we try to fight it on our own away from the flock. And in fact, when the battle comes, we separate ourselves from the flock where we're actually pray for the devil. Because I think uh, pride goes before a fall and we think like, well, just me and God, we can do this. The problem is when you become born again, you become part of the body of Christ. So you're a member of the body and you're trying to like be a thumb that's out over here and trying to accomplish something. And you can't accomplish anything because you're out on your own. And so it's really important, you know, especially as we see the day approaching, that we assemble ourselves together. And when we come together, I was thinking about it in worship this morning, actually. Uh, I was just at a um, minister's meeting and uh, uh, with Pastor Mark Hankins in Louisiana this week. Louisiana, where you at? Louisiana this week. And so... Um, uh, Every time I go to that meeting, it's like an invitation only meeting, you know. Every time I go to that meeting, at least the last four or five years, uh, the scripture comes to me, the assembly of the elders. It's like an assembly of the elders come together. But this morning, I was sitting here, I thought, I thought this is like an assembly of the believers. You know, we have, you could have unbelievers here as well, but people really that, like Ecclesia, that God has called. But you get this many believers in a place do you know what God can do? I mean, do you know the power that is resident in a believer? And if we just acted on that instead of trying to figure it out, we'd just be like, oh, this is what it says. Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna act, you know. <laughs> uh, somebody said, I think Mark Hank has actually described it this way. Uh, faith is simply acting like the Bible's true. You know, that's faith. So like, this is what the Bible says. Okay, that's true. I believe that, so this is what I'm gonna do. Brother Hagin used to have meetings when he was pastoring and he had uh, all board-led churches, board-run churches, but he was the pastor, which can be one of the most challenging situations to pastor in because if the whole board is not uh, submitted to the Lord and lots of people have a lot of ideas that they think are God's ideas, but they're really man's ideas and so you're trying to like battle against all of that. Well, he'd have board meetings and they're like, oh, we got a crisis in the church. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. So what did they have? They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. They have a crisis in the church. So finally, they'd get all exasperated around the table, and then they'd say, oh, what are we going to do, Brother Hagin? And he said, we're just going to act like the Bible's true. He said, everybody go, oh, that's right. <laughs> and so um, your natural flesh kind of recoils from that if it's not been trained real well. So it, it, it doesn't want to do that. It wants to do what it can grab hold of and touch and feel and become uh, acquainted with and like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stand against this, you know. Um, even stand against the power of the devil coming against you. If you try to stand in your own strength, you will just fall. You are no match for the devil except who you are in Christ. Do you understand that? So the new creation that you are on the inside which is like you're a God person on the inside. 
uh, can be completely defeated and overcome if you are trying to let your flesh call the shots and you're trying to let your mind that has not been transformed by God's word, because there's so much power in the word, that you will have God on the inside and go to hell on the outside. I don't mean like physically hell, but I mean you'll experience hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because, um, you know, uh, who you are on the inside does not automatically affect who you are on the outside, although it could. You know, like I think of um, when I was growing up, I, I thought that the Lord could do anything. So of course he could heal you if he wanted to, but what was the want to? I didn't understand that it is the will of God, that healing is the will of God. And so um, I thought, you know, well, he might or he might not. And so if you, if you think that way, well, then he probably might not. And uh, you would never experience it. But once you find out that it is actually part of the package and you act on that knowledge, well, then you can have something out here in your flesh that is uh, debilitating your body or hindering you or draining you and you can laugh at it. Not because you're like so powerful, but because of who is in you and whose you are and who won that battle for you and who actually uh, uh, stamped your ticket of freedom from that thing because of who we are on the inside. But that doesn't happen automatic. So the reason I was saying that is then once I learned, like, whoa, this is part of redemption, you realize if you're gonna pray with someone, when you pray with someone uh, to receive Christ, if they have sickness in their body, well, you can either pray for them first or you can pray for them afterwards, and I do that based on how I'm led by the Lord, okay? But uh, if, you, if they pray and receive Christ, that is the best time for them to receive healing because they have already had the biggest miracle and they already know how to act in faith, how? Well, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead for my justification and I confessed him as my Lord before he was my Lord and then I experienced uh, the quickening of the Lord. I became a new creature after, not before. You know, with the mouth, confession is made unto, Romans 10, 10. With the heart, man believes, but with the mouth, confession is made unto. So then they've actually already experienced uh, the power of God in their life. And so then it's not a matter of, uh, well, we need to teach you all of these things so you can arrive to the point where you will be healed. That is normally actually for people, uh, that, that can happen. Um, especially if you were part of a group of people that believe that God puts sickness, the lie, that God puts sickness on you to teach you something. Because why? Your mind is overriding things. And that's why your mind has to be renewed because your mind will gravitate right back to that. You know, like you're, you're, you're doing that. You, you keep going there. You keep going there. You know, I was, I don't remember why I was telling somebody, but I was telling somebody recently, you know, there is like a, uh, well, Dave and Jody told me about this and also uh, Pastor Joe Tucker. Uh, you know, like when they train law enforcement, you know, uh, how to disarm someone with a handgun, you know, they'll train them and the police, like maybe uh, Melody would be, uh, pretend like, well, she would be, yeah, you can come up. Melody would be like 
the bad guy, of course, right? I'd be the good guy, she'd be the bad guy. It'd probably be exactly opposite. And so she'd have a, a handgun, don't make fun because I won't do it right, but she'd have a handgun and I would like somehow take it out of her hand, however they do that, and I would, I would get it. Well, then because they're training, uh, each person needs to try, so I need to be the bad guy because so she can be the good guy, so I would take that gun that I just got from her and I would give it back to her. So then now... Uh, you, you just pra you keep practicing. Yeah, you keep practicing and practicing. And so what happens is uh, they get muscle memory. And this is why they practice and practice and practice so that you unconsciously do it. To me, it's a little bit like uh, you can learn to play the piano because that's how I learned to play the piano. And so first you're like, what, 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 where is it? Or typing, maybe everyone can relate to typing. So you learn typing, and first you're kind of like, oh, where's the key, what's going on? But you're really not supposed to look. If you're looking, you're, you're doing it. It'll feel good at the moment, but for the long run, that's a really bad way to learn to type. <laughs> Right? So that's like the Christian life. There's stuff like it feels good at the moment to just tell that person off, but in the long run, that's not the best way to make friends and influence people. And so, um, so then it just becomes automatic. Well, they found in this training that they had to switch their training because they would keep going through the exercise again and again and again, that in an actual situation, a police officer went, disarmed the guy, and then gave him his gun back. So the guy pointed it back at him, and he disarmed him again. I think it happened twice, right? Three times before they realized, before he was able to overcome the memory muscle reflex that he had developed. Because in training, they would do it again and again and again and again. They just didn't think like, oh, I shouldn't be practicing that part. <laughs> do you understand? So I say that because... You know, if you never knew about the gospel and then you heard the gospel and you received Jesus Christ, you're going to see for somebody like that, it's relatively easy to be healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, live in prosperity, all this type of stuff, because you're not unlearning any of this other stuff. But what you did is you learned lies in the name of the Lord. Do you understand? Like that sickness is God's way of teaching you and training you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is an untruth. That's not true. His word is truth. And uh, because you had that, well, uh, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You be transformed. One of the ways that you can be transformed is by um, your own confession of the word of God. Because you can school yourself into faith by speaking the word of God. So you actually speak what it says even though you feel like <laughs> um, you're battling these thoughts that are the other way. But a real confession, that may not be a real confession, but it could get you into a real confession. Why? Because it's the word of God. And when you meditate on the word of God or you chew the word of God, the more you hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, okay? So really the most vital thing is for us to hear the word of God in our spirits, right? So you can hear, I could speak right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you don't know Jesus in here this morning, you could hear that in your head and not your heart, and you cannot be born again. Because why? It's not with the head that you believe. It's with the heart that you believe. So uh, faith, Romans 10, 17, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing. So you're like, okay, if I just hear something, uh, then I got it. And hearing by the word of God. But faith doesn't come uh, just by hearing it 
and registering in your mind. It is in your heart. And the way you get things in your heart is how? No one can come to Christ except the Spirit of God draw him. In other words, there's an active working of God by his Spirit involved. Same thing when you talk about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Greek word for word is the word rhema. And so that word uh, means um, the spoken word of God or the word of God that's real to you that the spirit of God reveals, unfolds, that you see. So you could call it a revelation, but that trips a lot of people up because they think like, I'm gonna write like a book of the Bible. I don't know. It's just a matter of the Spirit of God is working with you to show. So the first way he works with you is to show, um, not condemnation, but actually convicts you of sin because you don't believe on him. In other words, you're missing the mark because you don't believe on Jesus. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then um, from there, then he reveals, unfolds, and shows. And so... um, Without the Spirit of God, you can't be born again, and you can't understand the things of God, and you can't understand the Word of God in your heart. So it's with the heart you believe, with the mouth you confess or you declare. And so those two have to go together. And so faith comes by hearing, but not just hearing anything, hearing by the Word of God. So I always think of Jesus talked about, so, uh, you know, I feel like he was so passionate about. Um, be careful what you hear and how you hear. Because uh, I, I can relate husband and wife, so um, I could be telling Melody something and she just kind of, well, maybe I should do it the other way around. It's more often the other way around. She could be telling me something and I'm just kind of like half paying attention. And I could repeat with words what she just said to me, but I did not understand the importance of it to her in my heart. Because if I understood the importance of it to her in my heart, then I would have responded differently. So she'd be like, did you hear what I said? Yeah, you just said da 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 But I didn't hear what she was saying. And this is where real ministry takes place as a, as a little rabbit trail. This is where real ministry takes place is when someone says something to you, what is behind those words? This is why the words of Christ were so powerful because he didn't speak like anyone else had ever spoken. He spoke as one with authority. In other words, he spoke with a lot behind those words. He spoke as the author of those words. He spoke as the resident expert of those words, as the creator of those things that he was speaking of. And so like he, like a master builder, he would speak and you would hear like, this is like uh, create the creator in personification. And this is like, if you want to know how this works, you want to listen to what he says. And um, so it matters how you speak and what's in your heart. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Uh, Well, I'll start with verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, um, praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, a fig tree which you cursed is withered away. 
And Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. So before we go there, let's just look. In the morning, so remember like the day before, Jesus went to get a fig and there was no figs on the tree and he cursed and said, no man eat fruit of you here ever after. So he spoke words. And the next day, because of words he spoke the previous day, something changed in the natural realm. Now the disciples were not uh, born again at this point. You understand that? And so they, being natural, could only think natural. So they said, what did they do? They declared what they saw. You understand? The fig tree that you cursed has withered. And they're kind of like surprised by it. And they're kind of like, well, what, what is going on? <laughs> What's going on with this? Well, they're trying to understand spiritual things with a natural mind. Very difficult. And some things you never will with a natural mind. And you, won't, and you can never grab hold of it. You can just get a little bit of, oh, huh. But Jesus answering uh, said unto them, have faith in God. Or my, the margin of my Bible says, have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever will say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so Jesus said, look to God, have faith in God, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Uh, you know, faith is like a surrender of everything that you are, that you have, and all the other inputs, and uh, turning to and grabbing hold of the word of God. So you're releasing all of this other stuff, and you're grabbing hold of Jesus, or you're grabbing hold of God through Jesus, you understand? And so um, Jesus starts out, you know, he's kind of like, oh, that's amazing to you? Well, let me explain it to you. Let me tell you how I did that. I had faith in God. Remember what he said? Everything that he did, nothing did he come up with himself. He said, I only did what I saw, and I only spoke what I saw. You ever have that happen? You ever have the Lord show you something? I don't mean like you have like a television go off in front of you, something spectacular. I mean, you're reading the word of God, or you have read the word and the spirit of God brings uh, to your memory uh, something from the word that was said, and all of a sudden, it's, as almost, it's almost as if you can see it. And so Jesus said, here's how I did that. I had faith in God. I, lay hold on God. I laid hold of God's faithfulness. And so uh, what does that look like? Well, he said, in this instance, he, he, you know, you understand Jesus said, uh, later in John chapter 14, he said, up till now, um, you've asked me nothing. But whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you, you know, in the future. Uh, don't, so we don't pray like to Jesus. We actually pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And so uh, our direction is God. So even here, Jesus is showing that. Have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Oh, you think I did this because like I'm, I'm like uh, some specially anointed person. No, no, I'm telling you, this is how faith works. You lay hold on what God has done. You lay hold on him. Have faith in God. 
lay hold on the faith of God. In other words, this is how I just did this. I, I, I saw God do something, and so that's what I went and did. And how do you do it? Well, he said, you speak to the mountain and it changes. So what did he do? He spoke to the mountain of that fig tree and he said, no man eat fruit of you here ever after. You know what? That created the possibility for that to exist. And because of how he did it, it created the reality of it. In other words, he spoke not doubting. Sometimes we speak, we're doubting. We're like, oh, I believe, I don't believe. I believe, I don't believe. Like a wave of the sea. Driven. No, I do really do believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't, I don't. How can that be possible? Well, that can't be possible. Uh, yeah, I, I want that to be true. So really, a lot of times, we're, we're wishing and hoping, but we're not believing. Well, don't ever throw that out because Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance. So if I wanted this iPad if I was gonna go buy an iPad, when I went to buy this iPad, I have hope for an iPad. Because I thought my other iPad was like six years old or something, five years old, it was glitchy and I would start preaching and it'd just disappear. <laughs> I thought, I am not enjoying that very much. <laughs> and so um, when I went to get this iPad, I had faith, I mean, excuse me, hope, and then my faith gave action. So I said, well, it's gonna cost so much money, so I'm gonna get so much money, and if I give them this much money, then they will give me this iPad. Probably too much money. And so, and so faith is the substance. So this was the substance of my faith, albeit natural human faith, but it was still the substance of that faith. Uh, the hope was, you know, I wanna get some... Uh, new pairs of pants, because I haven't got a new pair of pants in a while, I need some new pants. And so I actually have some money, got some money for my birthday, so I'm gonna be able to go get some new pants. And I, I've been hoping to get new pants. But other things have been more important on my schedule, so I haven't had time to go get new pants. So I'm just hoping. And so really I've been hoping since there's a particular store that I like that uh, opened like so many months ago. And all this hoping is getting me nothing except for I'm, ex I'm looking forward to getting the new pants. So I'm looking for the day when I'm gonna get them, but there's no substance to that. Do you understand? So faith uh, without works is dead. So I have dead faith concerning pants. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but I'm serious because this has gone on for a long time. And so, so faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if I didn't hope that that store would have a pair of pants that I liked, there's no point in me having faith in it. In fact, I can't. Right? So I want a pair of pants. Here, here's me. I want a pair of pants that I like. Hopefully that my wife likes, maybe more than I like. Anyhow, so I want a pair of pants. So if I think, well, uh, some people love to go to like um, uh, thrift stores. There was a store in Tulsa I went to Bible school and they had like, they'd take all this stuff, it's like a discount store, and I think it was new stuff, but they'd have these boxes and bins full of stuff, just random, packed in there, all this type of stuff, and well, you can save a lot of money if you go shop at a place like that, but oh, I, I would rather pay triple the price. 
I mean, it's so disorganized, and you're trying to find it and do all this stuff. So if somebody said, you know what? I'm not sure, but I think there'd be a pair of pants you like at this store. I think it was called NBC or some weird name like that. Anyhow, uh, this store. Uh, you know, I have uh, no hope, and therefore no faith about that. So I will not be going there because the going there would be my faith speaking. And I would actually declare to you, I am not going there. My wife would say, I'm going to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I would say, okay, what would you like me to do while you're gone? Or I will be doing something else while you're gone. I have never gone to this. And so, and so, uh, faith is the substance or gives substance to what you hope for. But you should never throw out hope because if you throw out hope, you can't get to faith. And so, uh, this is not the subject of the message, but I was, um, uh, did a mini study on hope recently. And, uh, you know, one of the definitions of hope, well, hope is a confident expectation and it is a yearning. You know, it's, a, uh, it's like a desire for these things. So even in Mark eleven twenty four, you find out what things soever you desire or what things soever you could almost say hope when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, the desire is the hope part and the believing is the faith part. Do you know like pistis, faith in action is belief. Faith, like pistis is a noun. When you see faith in the Bible, it's talking about a noun, person, place, or thing, the thing of faith. But then to believe, which you see a lot in the Gospel of John, believe, 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 that is faith in action. That's the verb. And when I was in high school, I never wanted to do like grammar or I didn't want to write. I didn't want to read. I love it all now. It's so funny. I think the Lord has a sense of humor. I remember thinking in English class, I'd be like, I'm never going to do anything like this that requires this. Uh, you can uh, submit your uh, life to the Lord and you'll find things that you thought were not enjoyable can give you some of the greatest satisfaction. What was that guy? I just can't get no. I can't get no. I just can't get no satisfaction. Satisfaction. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried. I just can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> well, that's because he's not yielding to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because you can't be satisfied in your own, you know. You can get money and lots of money, you know. The things of the world may look real appealing, and then you kind of get it, and you're like, huh. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's one thing I don't like about, uh, I, I will have a brand new car, but I have never had a brand new car, but I've had a new car to me. And so when you get a, a something like that and uh, you're all excited and then about a week or two later, you're kind of like, huh, it's not quite as impressive as it was before I had it. <laughs> it's just not quite as shiny. Like, it's still new, but somehow it's just not quite so new. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, and faith, uh, confession is the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo, E.W. Kenyon said, and I love that. 
confession is the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. Confession in the Greek, don't worry, I'm gonna finish real quick. Uh, confession in the Greek actually is the Greek word homologio. And it's made up of two words, homo and lego. And lego is the uh, spoken word. Not the same spoken word as the rhema spoken word. Anyhow, that's a whole different thing. Don't have time right now. And so homologio means to say the same thing as the word of God. So hold fast to your homologio, or hold fast to saying the same thing as the word of God according to Hebrews there, which we'll get to next week. And so if you don't like what you have in life, check up on what you've been saying. Why? Well, because what you say affects what you experience. So much so that you remember one of my favorite stories is the centurion, Jesus talking to the centurion uh, whose servant um, needed to be healed. And the centurion said, you don't have to go to my house. Just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled and said, I have not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. Well, faith is governed by our confession or by our saying the same thing. So if you want to have something in life that you don't have, you got to go to the word of God Look to the Holy Ghost. Let him make it real to you. And as soon as he does, then you speak what he says or what he shows. So that's what happened to this man. He saw Jesus and he heard of Jesus. And then he realized because he was a man under authority, he didn't have a physical power to make this one do this and make that one do that and make whole platoons and whole squadrons or however, whatever military you were in of people to do something, physical power. The policeman doesn't have physical power to make you stop at the stoplight. You could run him over. That car is a weapon, could be a weapon. Unfortunately, people use it that now, bleeding the blood of Jesus. So, but he understood authority is released in words. And he understood what my servant needs to be healed. So what needs to happen? There needs to be the word of God spoke. And if the word of God is spoke, now there's a path and there's a conduit and now it's gonna show up. It's not maybe gonna show up. It is showing up. It is coming. Why? Because uh, confession builds that road. So as soon as you say something, so if you want something, you find in the word of God what you want and then you begin to speak it from your heart. You believe it, and then you speak it, and it will come to pass. And so I'll finish with this, and I'll probably start with this next week. So, you know, uh, my life, uh, I'm so thankful. Oh, well, I'm so thankful for um, men and women of God in my life that have acted in faith, meaning... They didn't do what was easy all the time on their flesh or what their flesh wanted to do, but they actually uh, were led by the Spirit of God and did what should be done. My older brother, uh, when I was four years old, uh, we got home from church on a Sunday, and he asked if I would like to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he prayed with me to be born again, and I was born again as a four-year-old boy. And then my best friend at the time, his mother uh, uh, had been a, a Baptist, actually, uh, and uh, got f 
filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the Holy Spirit and you live full of the Holy Spirit, you are attractive. I don't mean like you look good, but like you're like mag, uh, a magnet. You know, people are drawn like because it's especially people that are hungry. So I was hungry for God. And uh, she said, would you like to be filled with the Spirit? And uh, I said, well, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in uh, church service and I need to go to the altar because I was acquainted with the leading of the Lord, uh, uh, the wooing of the, the Holy Spirit for salvation. When I, listen to this. When I heard those words come out of my mouth, I said yes. Because those words uh, uh, built a road of what was already the Spirit was saying in my spirit. Before I even realized it, I said it. When I said, and then I, I, I spoke those words, I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. I created that reality, right? It was already there. And then it became real when I spoke it. And then I said, yes. And then she prayed for me, I received. You know, it was about uh, eight months after that, I was, I was sneaking away from the den denominational church I was a part of <laughs> and uh, to another church. And Kenneth E. Hagen came to that church. Never heard of him. I didn't hear, never heard of Kenneth Copeland, never heard of Kenneth Hagen. Well, maybe like vaguely, but I'm like, I don't know who these people are, you know. And um, so he's coming. I just saw the advertisement and he was an older minister and I always liked the wisdom older people had. So I thought, I want to go to this. Do you know what happened? The very first night of a two-week meeting, he got up and he prophesied. This almost brings tears in my eyes, but he prophesied and he said, I should have I should have brought it so I could read it to you. Maybe we'll bring it next week. So he said, uh, this is the essence of what he said. This is a turning point in your life. And the decisions that you make today and tonight will affect the whole course of your life. Whether you go with God or whether you go the other way. If you choose not to make the decision to go with God and go with his direction, then um, a spiritual darkness will overtake you and Satan will ransack your life. But if you choose to go with God, you know, something like you go from glory to glory to be wonderful changes. Well, you know, I was engaged to a different woman at that time, a young lady. And I was not on my way, I was probably on my way to like a Southern Baptist seminary. And uh, I didn't know he was prophesying at the time, but the whole, reason I, the whole reason I said all that was to say this. I'm so thankful that someone uh, who at that time was like, uh, had just turned 80, uh, followed the Lord and still continue to travel all over the United States speaking the word of God to make it possible for people like me to have a road built by the speaking of the word that I could walk out on and go into the plan of God for my life. How can they believe unless they hear, unless someone preaches, unless someone speaks? And all preaching is not done in pulpits. Sometimes you just talk to somebody individually and you speak the word of God, you can tell. You don't have to say like it's this verse, this chapter, but you know something that's coming out of your heart of the word of God. Even if it's just God cares about you, he loves you and he has a plan for your life. You're so much better than this. You're made for more than this. You understand? You speak those words, it creates the ability or the road for them to walk out on. That's what he ordained that we preach the word. But you can preach the word to yourself. So that when everything else is, is, is like crowding on you and telling you all these other things, like, no, uh, you made it before, but you're going to fail this time. It's not going to work this time. Uh, you're not going to have it. You're not going to be able to pay your bills. You're going to get kicked out. Or this sickness is going to defeat you this time. 
Well, instead of saying what we feel, faith uh, calls those things which be not as though they were. So yeah, it is not in your body. Healing is not in your body in that instance. But you call those things which be not, which is healing in your body, as though they were, and then they can become, when you call it from your belief, from your spirit. Do you understand? Or it's a dark day. You don't know what to do. And you're confused. Well, most of us in the flesh, if we're yielding to the flesh, if we're not staying full of God, then we're going to say, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Well, don't condemn yourself because you say that when you realize you say it. Just change. And and, uh, build a road. How do you build it? Well, when everything in your flesh, I kind of picture it like a, like a, here, come here, honey. I kind of picture it like everything in your flesh, you can turn around, stand up here, turn around, stand up here. Everything, turn around towards them. Everything in your flesh is like trying to hold you down and you're trying to jump. Go ahead and jump. <laughs> right? So it feels like you can't jump. Well, you can't unless you build a road. So the way that you jump is you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And normally, I shouldn't say it that way. Normally what you say, if you kind of feel like that, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do, what am I gonna do? You can say, I have the mind of Christ. But you might say, I have have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. In other words, you school yourself into faith even in a moment. Because you know the word, but it doesn't feel like it's true. And so you speak from your own heart uh, and it creates the reality of it. You understand, like, uh, did I say last week about the guy that was, uh, I won't talk about that. So (laughs) you speak the first time, like that guy was out in the arbor there behind the house with the trees. He said, the devil said, you're gonna die and they're not gonna know the buzzers will lead them to you, you know? But he said, uh, you know, I'm just gonna praise the Lord because I am healed. He didn't feel like it. He almost died dragging himself out there. But he said, glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank you. I'm healed. And then that, that confession built a road that he could say, I want to thank you that I'm healed. Glory to God. I have the strength of God. I am the healed of the Lord. And that confession built a road so that he could say, I am healed by his stripes. The Lord has healed me. My body's well. I want to thank you, Lord. I just want to glorify you because you healed me because you know I I got tired of not being able to stand up. And then he stood up because that built a road so he could stand up. And he stood up. And then he just went on and on to begin to shout. So he built a road, built a road, built a road. You know, sometimes when they build a road, if they build it right, they have to like get rid of all the other stuff. Then they compact the ground. And then they start with a layer of gravel. And they compact the gravel. And then they start with another layer of this and another layer of that until they have like the finishing layer and you're up praising the Lord with all your strength. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus is the answer. Jesus actually is the way to live. Uh, He is the truth and he is the life. And so no one can come to God except through him. He is your, your, if you're not born again, he's gonna be your brother. (laughs) 
and he is your access to God. He is the door. He's the door to real life. He's the door to real love. He's the door to real purpose. He's the door to what you've been looking for. If you don't know what your purpose is in life, he will introduce you to who you really were made to be. And so if you don't know Jesus and you're here or you're online watching, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just slip up your hand. And um, actually what we're going to do is uh, we're all going to bow our head and we're going to pray that prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins so that I could be right with you. And then I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I take Jesus as my Lord. So I thank you, Father, that I am now born again, that I am in your family. And in your family, I live with a whole new source of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right, say this after me. I am a child of God. I'm in the family of God. I have the benefits of a member of the family of God. Jesus became a curse for me so that I could live in the blessing. I am healed. I am whole. I am free from sickness. I am free from disease. I am free from mental problems. I am free from depression. I am free from confusion. I have the mind of Christ. I am a child of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. He leads me. He guides me. He directs me. I'm not in confusion. I know his voice. I'm acquainted with him. It's easy for me to hear God's voice. So I hear what he says in the inward witness and I respond. I am one of those people that believe God. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. And what I believe and speak comes to pass. Because I say what I say because of what God said. Let's just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Glory to God. You're good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you that you've put your word in our mouth and in our hearts that we can speak that your will can be done in our lives just like it's done in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.